All right. Let's get started. I am going to try to record this and um, put it on our podcast, so um, bear with me. I'm going to see if it's going to work out that way. Um, I think we should be good.
So I want to dive into foods to consider reducing or eliminating. Um, this is tricky because eliminating some of these foods altogether is, is just hard. I mean, we have to have balance for humans. So um, the first one, and this is in no specific order, because I probably would have put things in different things a different order if it was in order, is gluten. So what is gluten? Gluten is found pri primarily in wheat. Um, our breads, our grains, things like that. Um, and gluten and gliden are known for giving bread that puffiness and that nice doughy taste that we all like so much. So this is my thing. So what's the big deal? This gluten thing is just a fad, right? Like everybody's celiac. Nobody can tolerate gluten. Up to five or six years ago, I honestly thought that this was true. I thought that there was not a gluten problem. There was not a problem with food. I thought that people were being wussies and were using it as an excuse. And then um, fast forward to where I am now and watching Hillary's son go through his issues with gluten and then Hillary. And now I have a nine-year-old daughter who is gluten sensitive as well and have recently taken on the journey of becoming um, gluten-free. And it's kind of amazing what it can do. So what's the big deal? We've been eating it forever. It's made up, right? No, it's real. The world's wheat crop was transformed in the 1950s and 60s in a movement called the Green Revolution. The father of the movement, Norman Borlaug, was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, created, credited by saving one billion lives. So it was a big thing about world hunger at the time. And this man almost single-handedly fixed that problem. Um, and according to Wikipedia, he led initiatives that involved the development of high-yielding varieties of cereal grains, expansion of irrigation infrastructure, modernization of management techniques, distribution of hybrid seeds, synthetic fertilizers, and pesticides to farmers. He pioneered new and approved species of semi-dwarf wheat that we use now, together with complementing fertilizers, pesticides to increase yield. This is great for ending world hunger. This is horrible for our bodies and putting in our bodies. So not only did he change the plant, genetically modified the plant, but now we're introducing more chemicals to the process, which ultimately is not good for us. So some symptoms of gluten sensitivity. These are just a few that's a gauntlet of symptoms. Uh, brain fog, fatigue, bloating, constipation, inflammation. And then a lot of the question is, so maybe I am gluten intolerant. And um, what does that mean? Like maybe we hear about leaky gut, intestinal permeability. I just, when I went through this class, had a great explanation of that. And I'm going to share it with you. So gluten leads to intestinal permeability or leaky gut, and so do some plants that contain lectins. Lectins are going to be on a plant. They're like the plant's defense against um, predators, insects, that kind of thing. So on these plants, when we ingest them, we have two ways to kind of break that down before it hits our small intestine. The first ones are saliva. The second ones are stomach acid. If those don't get broke down in either of those places and it goes to our small intestine, when it gets to our small intestine, there's only one cell wall in that intestine. And once that's breached, it's kind of breached. There's nothing you can do about it. So what you have is you have a, a tight junction. Everything's tight. But if like um, gluten sneaks through there or if those lectins get through there, you get a little bit of separation. So separation occurs and what happens? Those food molecules are now getting into your gut. They're leaking out of your intestine. So what does your body do? Well, your body 
is ready to, to handle this. It's got it on lock. On the other side of your small intestine is 80% of your immune system waiting there. It's like border patrol. They're waiting for this stuff to get through, and their job is to get rid of it. So you've got some gluten that sneaks through and some other plant lectins and things like that. Well, it's open that junction. It's in your gut. So now the border patrol gets out the guns, and they pew, pew, pew. They start shooting, right? That's their job. They're going to pew, pew all the bad stuff away. Well, now your gut is loose, and it, it's there's food particles and other things getting in there. So your immune system is going to war for you, trying to help you. And this is ongoing, ongoing. Well, then all of a sudden, your immune system is doing its patrol one day, and it sees these weird cells in your knee. It's inflamed on the inside, and it says, hmm, those cells look a lot like those cells that came through that gut. I can't be sure. Let's pew, pew, pew those cells. So now you have some arthritis because your body kind of just attacks yourself itself um, because of the leaky gut. So that's how it all plays. It's, it, it all goes hand in hand down down the line, right? You're, you're, you're feeding to that leaky gut, and then that's how autoimmune diseases happen after a while. They're not treated. The good news is there's lots of things you can do, and our bodies are very resilient to help um, if you do have something like leaky gut going on. The next thing I want to talk about is sugar. Um, this is the biggest one, right? And this gets passed over time and time again. We are not fat as a society because of fat. We are fat because of sugar. We have weight because of sugar. So the average adult should consume between 25 to 35 grams of sugar a day. And that just depends on if you're a male or a woman. A man or a woman, I should say. So recommend a daily in, intake a day. Sugar, right? I'll pass that around. That's what you should be eating every day. This is the United States normal, right, of what people eat every day. So if you were to take that and times it by 365, you would have three of these 22-pound buckets that we consume in a year. That's on average. Then we get into other things like a 12-ounce can of Mountain Dew, 46 grams of sugar. We're only supposed to have 25 to 35. This is it for the day. That's all you get. Same thing with a 12-ounce Coke, 39 grams of sugar. That's it for the day. How many people do you know, and I know a lot, and this is not a place of judgment, so please, there's no judgment. I love energy drinks and cheeseburgers, so there's no judgment here. Um, how many people do you know that have two or three sodas a day? Right? Lots. Um, and here's, a, here's the one that's kind of shocked me. This is how much sugar is in one tablespoon of ketchup. There is as much sugar in three tablespoons of ketchup as there is in one glazed donut. And that's just part of our diet. So you can see how we're so oversaturated with sugar in everything um, that we do. Uh, we went that. Um, there's there's a couple studies out here, and I pulled them. Um, they have actually in lab rats had a control of lab rats that were getting sugar and lab rats that were getting heroin, and then tried to detox them. And the rats that were on heroin had an easier time taking heroin than the rats that were on sugar. So this is a problem. I mean, it's this is huge. Um, if your level of importance to me, this is number one of things we really got to watch. So try to reduce or avoid beet and cane sugar, fructose, lactose, high fructose corn syrup is horrible. 
I just really bad. But here's the kicker. Please. Okay. Thank you. Uh, good alternative for soda, bubbly. Love it. Okay. Um, but don't reach for the artificial sweeteners. Don't go for a Diet Coke. Diet Coke is just as bad, not worse for you than regular Coke. Just because it doesn't have the sugar in it, it has <laughs> it has these artificial sweeteners. What happens when something sweet hits our tongue is that we're all connected, right? Our brains connect to our stomach through the vagus nerve. So you you drink something sweet, Diet Coke. You're having a Diet Coke. Brain says, hmm, something sweet. Brain, you need to tell that pancreas to start kicking out with some insulin right now. We got something sweet. So follows orders. Insulin incoming. Insulin gets in the bloodstream and says, I don't have any sugar. So now it's looking for sugar. And what it's going to do is it's going to cause a craving for you to eat. So people that drink diet sodas and tend to have more artificial sweeteners are going to have a harder time um, maintaining their you know, hunger throughout the day. They're going to be more hungry. So, and it also really disrupts our microbiome. So it really kills our good flora in our gut. Um, we just said it can increase hunger by signaling the brain bodily release insulin um, when it's needed, and then the brain tells us that we're hungry. Insulin has nowhere to go. Okay, so what? Are you? Yeah. Question. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why is xylitol bad? We're taught that xylitol is okay. Our dentist says that xylitol. Uh, xylitol. The only because the same sugar response to the brain and the insulin. Yes. But stevia doesn't. Stevia doesn't. But stevia is natural. Sure. Yes. Yeah. They mm-hmm. do. So stay away from aspartame, sucralose, xylitol, and other artificial sweeteners when you can. Stevia is a good alternative if you're going to have a natural or a, a sweetener. Dairy is another big one. Um, it's a top source of saturated fat in America. <laughs> Tom could probably tell us a lot about this one. <laughs> um, so RBSC or RBGH. Um, is the hormone they inject into cows to keep them producing milk. So if you get dairy products that are not organic or they do make RBGH free now, um, you're most likely going to be getting some kind of traces of that drug through your diet. Um, so, I mean, you see these younger girls, and I know I have an 11-year-old daughter that are you know, starting their cycles at 8, 9 years old and that kind of thing. And I'm going to say this is the reason because I don't have all that data and those studies to back it up, but I'm going to guess that a large part of it is this. So um, I really, when you can, prefer organic dairy. Uh, it's hard because, like, I live in a small town. I can't get organic cottage cheese or sour cream in my town. They don't sell it. Um, so, you know, shop somewhere where you can. If you, It's not that much more expensive, to be honest with you. It might be 50 cents more for a bag of shredded cheddar cheese than it is regular. It's not It's not unattainable. And organic milk lasts longer. There's some good things to organic foods. Um, and the other thing is our body does have a hard time breaking down dairy with the lactose and the casein in there. Um, and up to 40% of Americans are lactose intolerant. And Hillary was just sharing with me some information earlier that as we get older, we tend to actually have more problems with dairy. Um, she's in a different program that is showing some studies um, with that. So... Buy organic when you can. They do have um, RBGH, RBST free dairy alternatives too. 
corn. This one slips through the cracks a lot. And honestly, I think corn's right up there with gluten. We run a lot of IgG food sensitivity tests here. I would say I've probably seen 20 of them. And out of those 20, I think maybe two people did not have a high sensitivity to corn. Why? It's genetically modified. It's full of Roundup. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it slips and it's in a lot of things that we don't realize. You know, our tortilla chips, our, our um, tortillas, all sorts of stuff that we just don't even think. Popcorn, all these, all these things we get it. So, um, so here's a little bit more on GMOs. Genetically, a GMO is a genetically modified organism. Uh, it's a plant, an animal, or a microorganism, or other organism whose genetic makeup has been modified in a laboratory using genetic engineering for transgenetic technology. So there's some effects of long-term effects of GMO: um, toxicity, allergic reactions, antibiotic resistance. I don't think we talk about that enough in this society. Um, cancer, loss of nutrition. So I was told to go um, gluten-free, but they said corn is fine. Like, I could use <laughs> corn tortillas. And so a lot of my second alternative yeah, it's is your go -to. corn. Mm -hmm. And now you're saying that that's something I should do. No, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just starting this. I was just curious. Yeah. Like, what you're talking about. Gotcha. Yep, that'll be non-GMO. Okay. And we'll, we'll get on that a little bit. And, it might not be an issue for you. I just see a lot of these people that come to us and doing these IgG tests, they have leaky gut, and they, um, they're they inflamed already. So I think that maybe even if they didn't have sensitivity to it, they're so inflamed and their gut is so leaky that it's an issue because of that status. And it doesn't mean that you can't, all this stuff, you could even be sensitive to gluten in some fashion. And you could go on a protocol for three to six months to try to heal your leaky gut. There's nothing saying you couldn't reintroduce gluten in, in little amounts. Same thing with corn. So none of this stuff is forever. It's just trying to fix the problem and then get back to eating real food. Really. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's just when, when the, after a long enough time when I was on the leaky gut stuff, mm -hmm. and then I was all of a sudden the things that, like we used to eat pizza once a week. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I went to eat it, it was not good. Yeah. Like that, so like after she, after we healed that, then all of a sudden the things that I didn't notice bothered me before bothered me. Mm -hmm. So for me it was opposite. opposite yeah. yeah, it was opposite because now I'm finding there's things that I, I, I like I can't tolerate. Yeah. The next one's kind of an area of contemplation for people. Um, vegetable and seed oils. It was the thing when I was growing up that vegetable oils, canola oil, that was the bomb, right? There was no better oils out there. Well, now they're doing more studies, they're looking at it, and it's highly, they're highly processed, they're high in bad fat. They did some studies in the southern states. Um, they did 100 18 to 20-year-old kids, 50 were male, 50 were female. Um, and they found that these kids that live in these southern states were at least one meal a day, they figured, that's their study, was deep fried, had carotid arteries in the neck already, and some of them to the tune of 80%, there were some. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot there, and I love fried food. There's nothing like some cheese curds. And, I mean, yeah. it's good stuff, but again, we got, like, we're got we dealing with moderation here. Um, so you wanna avoid vegetable oil, canola oil, and seed oils when possible, and I get it. Sometimes you're making a cake, and it calls for vegetable oil, you know? but. 
day-to-day, um, it, it's best to avoid it if possible. Uh, what you want to use, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, ghee. Um, remember, if you're cooking, you can cook in broths as well. An organic bone broth brings a lot of flavor to things. It's something to think about. It might change things up a little bit. So that was kind of the, the bad, like the what not to do. And now we'll start getting into a little bit of the good. So health starts at the tip of your fork, and that's the truth. Whatever we put in is what we're going to get out. I love this quote. People are fed by the food industry, industry, which pays no attention to health, and are treated by the healthcare industry, which pays no attention to food. If you go to a grocery store and don't think that the products on those shelves are trying to dupe you, you're so wrong. Um, they are all out there trying to do what all of us have to do today, and that's make a buck. And they found some really great, clever ways to do it and pull off the fact that maybe it's healthy. Now what I kind of want to get into is how to read a label. Um, helpful, maybe, hint, um, but pretty fascinating. The RDAs, this thing, right? Your The RDAs are like the set values, 2,000 calories and all that kind of stuff. Those values on this label have not changed since 1950. What? I can guarantee you that our caloric needs have greatly changed since 1950 with our lifestyles and such, but it's not been evaluated, evaluated since. So that's old, it's old news. Um, just something to think about. We still go by them, but I think they probably need to be revamped. I love this chart. This is awesome. So these are your serving size and calories. Be careful because serving size for candy containers too, but like amount per serving, sometimes they get you and you're like, oh, this is only 200 calories, but actually you're going to eat the whole bag that's going to be two, right? Or whatever the case may be. Um, but this is the one you really want to look at. Fats, huge. Sodium, sugars, big. Carbs, depending on what kind of diet you're following, might come into play, but not as much. Now, this is going to be your fiber and your vitamins, also important. But again, since this recommended daily allowance in this, RDAs hasn't changed since 1950. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time looking at these because... It, to me, I don't think there's a ton of value there. Just my two cents. So it's good to know if there's a little bit of value in there. Now we're going to go to your guys' handouts. And I hope I put this in order. Um, I think the first one is actually going to be Ensure. This is kind of yep, mind-blowing. So Ensure is actually prescribed by doctors in medical facilities. And what I want you guys to look at really is the the fat is okay because if we're giving this to somebody that we're trying to fatten up or get some weight on, I'm not concerned with that. But look at the sugars. Nine grams of sugar on there. Now then, I really get concerned when I look at in the ingredients. We go to the ingredients and it's water, corn syrup, milk, protein concentrate, sugar, soy oil, hydrogen, I can't even say it. Sodium caseinate, canola oil. We just got done talking about oils, right? Vegetable, canola, not great for you. Corn oil. We just got done talking about corn, right? GMO, full of um, all sorts of different um, Roundup and all that kind of stuff. And the list goes on. I mean, as you go down, it's kind of more fillers and stuff like that. But um, this is not a healthy alternative. This is a healthy alternative. This is the same thing. 
that we sell here, but doesn't have the garbage in it. There's none of that in, in this. So, I mean, this is what we're giving to our elderly people in home situations. It's just kind of mind-blowing to me. So that's insurance. The next one we're going to get into is mayonnaise, right? I spent about 45 minutes one day in my local Walmart looking at frickin' mayonnaise aisle, and my kids were about ready to murder me. They're 9 and 11. They were not into looking at mayonnaise for 45 minutes, but I was. So this is what I came up with. This first one is regular Hellman's mayonnaise, right? You look at it, fat's there, right? 11 grams, 17%. That's a lot of fat, but it's mayonnaise, so whatever. Um, other than that, they had a tablespoon. Yeah. Quite a bit, right? So then I was looking for, you know, the alternative. So then next to it, and this is a bad picture, and I apologize, was the Hellman's olive oil. Pretty significant change in fat. I mean, it went down. But if you were looking at the fat there, and then we go and we're, we need to look at the ingredients in this one and the last one as well. They're the same pretty much. But soybean oil and olive oil. When that product says olive oil in it, I believe it to only be olive oil. So when I look at the ingredients and find that there's soybean oil, I'm a bit taken aback because I was paying for olive oil. And this was a dollar and six cents more expensive than regular almond mayonnaise. Now we get into the one that I actually really love and I bought that day after 45 minutes, and it's really good. Um, that's Primal Kitchen mayonnaise. Oh yeah. So it does have more fat in it than the olive oil. But look at those ingredients. I mean, I would trade a little bit of fat for clean or for clean ingredients, personally. So it's just kind of a way to get you to look at the ingredients. You have to look at the ingredients. Yes, the, the this all matters, but this matters a lot too, because that's where they trick you. They trick you in the in ingredients. Oh, it's good. Yes. Actually, I don't think I could go back to regular mayonnaise now. It's cleaner. It's cleaner. Primal Kitchen offers amazing products. They are expensive. That mayonnaise cost me eight bucks, I think. Um, they offer salad dressings. They offer ketchup that are low sugar. Uh, I, I, I love their products. I haven't had anything I haven't liked. Just like in water? Yep. Mm -hmm. You can make mayo. The last two weeks in your fridge. This is, uh, I didn't include this, but this is... Another, this is the exact same thing about mayo, so our ketchup. This is ketchup, sugar in there, 7%. This is sugar-free. So what do they put in there? Uh, I think it's sucralose? Yeah, sucralose, sucralose. right? So, I, I mean, just a difference. And then Primal Kitchens is actually one gram of sugar. Or, wait, no, I can't see it. Yeah, one gram. Yeah, so a huge difference. And there's another company out there, and I can't think of the name of it, but they make like a, a yum yum sauce that's sugar, reduced sugar, and all that kind of stuff. So it's out there. I'm not going to lie. It is more expensive, and it does stink that it is, but um, it is out there. This one is Insure. We already went through that. My clicker's not working. This, you can't even see, but this is my um, way of trying to show you a Swiss cake roll, a little Debbie Swiss cake roll which actually is not a food, it's a food-like substance. There's really no food in it, it's just a food-like substance. So um, that was that, and this is actually the label off of, um, my ex-husband eats 
hungry man TV dinners all the time. So I sold the box out of this garbage that was looking at it. And same thing, there is no food in there. Like yeah. it's, there's no food. It's, yeah. it's like food products, but not real food. So how do we eat for health? Eat real food. Um, look for gluten-free when you can. Uh, organic and fresh, very important when you can do it. Um, Non-GMO, I've seen a lot of those um, going around too, so you know that it's not genetically modified, but this is it right here. Eat real food, not processed food. And this isn't something that I'm saying that we have to do 100% of the time. There's statistics out there that say that if we could change our diet to eat real food 75 to 80% of the time, our disease states would be greatly reduced. Speaking of disease states, they're now saying by the year 2040, 80% of all 20-year-old children are going to have an autoimmune disease. Because we, the, again, we're not going back to a place of judgment. I know my parents, when I was a kid, did the best they could by me. And I know I do the best I can by my kids. So all this classes is really, if you know a little better, maybe you can do a little better. Because I, I was just telling somebody, I ate white bread and jarred gravy most of my childhood and grilled cheese. And I was a C-section baby that was not breastfed. So there's statistics that go with that now that we know that set me up for being having issues later in life, which, interesting enough, in the last year and a half, two years, I have. So... Um, and that's where it starts. It's eating real food. I have a question. Yep. I've heard like some gluten-free foods are just as bad for you because True. of the stuff that they put in it to make it gluten-free. Mm -hmm. Like there, you see there's a lot of rice, right? Um, corn. Corn. Um, they do make uh, now made out of garbanzo beans, which a lot of protein. I've actually had it. It's not bad. Um, yeah. I, you really have to look at it and, and see. I, I really like, is it Barilla? I think they have a good gluten-free. But it's corn. It is corn, yeah. It is corn, but um, and that looks possible. Yeah, pasta is red yeah. lentils and chickpeas. Yeah. Yep, that's and good. And flour works. And I just and that's a soy. Mm -hmm. There's options out there, but it's yeah, it's hard. Gluten-free is hard because. The, the ones I found that I like are the gabonzo bean based ones because then you don't have to worry. Because there's also, um, I you guess I'm sure you've heard that, and it's kind of been a big fad the last, I don't know, probably 10 years, is quinoa, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody says, well, I don't want to eat rice, I eat quinoa. Yeah. Well, quinoa has always been ingested by humans, but the fun fact is the people that ate it in ancient times would actually ferment it because they knew it messed up their digestional tract. We don't ferment it. So, in my mind, Quinoa is one of those things like corn that I see pop up on a lot of IgG tests. And I think it causes a lot of digestion digestion issues as far as leaky gut. And I don't I haven't did the research, I haven't pulled any of the data to see if that's actually a lectin based and that's why it does it. But um, I personally would steer clear or limit quinoa as well. Um, buy local and organic in season produce whenever you can. Um, this is a great resource. Environmental Working Group. Anybody ever heard of them? They have awesome resources on their website. They have what they call the Dirty 30 and Clean 15, where they tell you 30 fruits and vegetables that you probably should not buy unless they're organic, and then 15 of the clean ones that you could buy and they would be safe if they weren't organic. Great tool to help save money when you go to the grocery store. It's invaluable to print it off. Uh, it doesn't change a whole lot, honestly. I know that 
one of the dirties is strawberries. You don't ever want to really buy those unless they're um, organic. That's the only one I can remember, to be honest. I know bananas is on the clean, I think. Um, picking meat. This is where a lot of people, a lot of these companies would try to dupe you, honestly. You see the, you see the natural label on things? Natural has no bearing. USDA does not see natural as a term. It's not a thing. So if you see it, it's both. It, <laughs> it's BS. <laughs> so if you're going to go buy beef, you want it to be organic. You also want it to be grass-fed and grass-finished. If you don't get grass-fed and grass-finished, what probably happened to that animal is that at the end of its life, um, it was put in a feedlot and pumped full of corn or whatever else to fatten it up before it goes to slaughter. So that's why the grass finish is important. If you live in Battle Creek, they get the Kellogg's leftovers. Mm. <laughs> Sugar and corn. Chicken and turkey, organic and free range. Um, be careful because chicken, turkey, and eggs will sometimes stay cage-free. That doesn't mean anything doesn't mean that you really want organic and free range. Um, fish and seafood, wild caught. Not sustainably farm-raised, wild caught. If, if you get, um, say, salmon and it's raised from a farm, what it's being fed is all the things we were just talking about that we shouldn't be eating. The corn, the gluten, soy. Yes, all that stuff's what that fish is ingesting. So we're not doing ourselves any favors without... And, there is a price difference, and they are. It is harder to find, but um, it's not a it's not a huge price difference. So Trader Joe is a really good resource. Trader Joe is a good resource if you can not have to drive it out. Right, exactly. Um, eggs again, yeah, organic, free range eggs. Um, I was checking out Environmental Working Group for this too. They actually have all the terms for all the different modalities of meat, so you can look up pork, and it will tell you like um, USDA organic and what that means to them and like all the terms that are recognized and like natural uh, antibiotic, it goes through like antibiotic free or raised without antibiotics, it breaks it down. It's like pages of information on the meat. It's very, very cool. So how to build our plate? I grew up meeting potatoes. I get the same amount of meat as I get potatoes and I eat it. I didn't really... I really didn't have vegetables on my plate. It was meat and potatoes when we ate dinners. So we have to change that meat and potatoes mentality because what we've learned is that our meat portion should be big and that everything else is kind of a side. That's not really it. Really what you should be doing is building your plate. It says 50 to 75%, but really 75% vegetables and fruits. Make sure that you're eating the rainbow. You're eating all the different colors because that's where your phytonutrients come in, and they're super important. Um, the other 25 to 50% should be quality proteins and good fats. Um, and then you're really balanced. You know, all those green leafy vegetables have a reason to be on there. They help detoxify our estrogens and all of our, all of our hormones, really, um, and help us stay kind of clean. And everything's got a purpose on there. So it's just got to shift the way we think about building our plate. This is really fascinating. I learned in my class about blue zones. There's five places throughout the world that people live incredibly long lives. And so they did research to why these people live these incredible long lives. And what they found out pretty much 
um, is that they move, they get out, they exercise, they have a sense of purpose, they have good ways of managing stress. A lot of these places will have um, meditation practices or prayer practices in place. Uh, people in the blue zone stop eating when their stomach is 80% full. They also tend to eat smaller meals and avoiding late in the day. They have a plant-centric diet. Uh, the majority of their meals are from plant sources. Animal proteins are consumed in small amounts about five times per month. Per month. Wine. They like a little bit of red wine. A little bit. They um, practice spirituality. They have, um, put their family first. And they have strong social networks. So these people are living over 100 in all these places. You've got Greece, uh, Italy, Okinawa, Costa Rica, and actually Loma Linda, California. Hmm. These people figured something out. And it, it's really, I think we do need protein in our diet, right? But the amount of animal proteins we eat, and I'm not by any stretch of imagination a vegan or a vegetarian, and I'm fine with whoever is, but that's not me. Um, we just need to focus more on plants, a little bit less on the protein. Um, there is a, it's very hard to eat clean. We're, we have fast food, convenient food at our fingertips. We don't have good, healthy food at our fingertips. We just don't. So that means that in our already busy lifestyles, we have to plan, and a lot of times it just doesn't happen. There are some really good tools and apps out there. I love the app called MyFitnessPal. It's a meal tracker. It's free unless you want to pay for it, which they always try to get you to, but it breaks down your sugars, your carbs, your fats, um, all that kind of stuff. And I really like that from a perspective of accountability. Um, also, there's a lot of healthy food services. There's one right down in Troy, Michigan, that Hillary and I get. Um, we just had it last week. It's called Arathan Meals. They'll deliver right to your house. It's $12.99 a meal. It's all organic. It's actually vegan, um, but amazing food. They do a great job with it. The other services, everybody's sure I think Thrive Market. I do Misfits Market. I love the fact that it comes to my door. They have good meat and seafood choices on there. And um, they Produce is amazing. I've never, <laughs> yes, I've never had better produce than I have had from Misfits. Um, and Factor. Factor is an online meal plan that you can get delivered right to your door. You can choose options like dairy-free, uh, gluten-free. All those things are kind of at your fingertips. So that's that in a nutshell. I would like to kind of go over some of the things I have up here, though. Um, I... And constantly rag on Hillary because she is a sugaraholic. She's addicted to sugar, probably worse than anybody I know. True, true. Anyway, um, so she's always drinking Gatorade. She doesn't drink water. She's always drinking Gatorade. She drinks Gatorade Zero, and Melissa and I are always on her crap about it. She found this the other day, and this is actually legitimately not bad. It's sweetened with stevia. The color is watermelon juice. There's nothing really bad in it. I mean, it's an actual clean. She said they were three for five dollars. She found them at Kroger. Now, out of this stuff up here, do you guys see anything that you think is unhealthy? I'd like some input from the gallery. Frozen meal because it's high in sodium would be my guess. That's a good guess. It is, in fact, high in sodium. 830 milligrams. Very high. The other problem is 15 grams of sugar. Uh, nine grams of, or nine, oh, seven grams of fat. So fat's not horrible, but it's lean cuisine, right? Probably the yogurt is high in sugar. 
Yes, the yogurt. These uh, everybody will come in and they will say, I don't need a probiotic. I take I eat yogurt. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's amazing. I I had it yesterday. Twelve grams in this little thing. Twelve grams of sugar. So if you eat two of these, your sugar's done for the day. Now Hillary and I were talking earlier because you know Hillary will try to do the stuff that eats the one that eats this stuff. This is um, granola, right? Should be healthy. Actually has. 13 grams of sugar. So, you know, put some granola in your yogurt. It's a good breakfast. Can you tell me why I got sick even though I ate the gluten-free yogurt? These are another one. Uh, I think a lot of people will turn to these as alternatives for kids and, like, lunches and snacks. Um, so much sugar. 25 grams in one bag. That's the whole bag. But a ton of sugar. And then Melissa brought this in. Yeah, why does it still make me sick? Nine grams of sugar. That's why I pulled it out here. It's quite a bit of sugar. Um, Can you really, is there really such a thing as gluten-free oats? Yes, but, so glue, there's gluten and gliden in, in oats, right? Yeah. Gliden's just as bad as gluten, and it's still in there. So you can take the gluten away. It doesn't mean that product's still going to be okay for you to eat, because that Glyden is like, they're like Thelma and Louise. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going there with you. <laughs> so, I mean, they do take the, they take the, they strip the gluten, but the Glyden's still there. Okay. So, that's what we're talking about finding, even if you find gluten-free, like bread, right. still got the Glyden in there. You know? Um, I have a whole bag from Costco of gluten-free oats. But when I ate that, that was kind of like my test because mm -hmm. I, I didn't care about the sugar at the most because I put I put butter and coconut oil and nuts and like that's just the base, right? <laughs> but it made me really sick. Like I just ate regular oatmeal, so why didn't I eat just regular oatmeal? So it's you know the other thing that a lot of people don't really pay attention to, and we actually had this pointed out to us by our orthomolecular rep, is gluten um, contamination. Uh, he has a son that's very sensitive gluten and he would go get pizza and he found that he couldn't go get pizza at Hungry Howie's because they used the same boards and everything where the regular pizza was and it would make his son sick. So he actually found a place that actually went through the steps to kind of um, clean up in between and use their own can for gluten and make sure that it was specific and his son doesn't get sick there. But we don't think about that a lot of times. This is a, the cross-contamination of stuff that's touched gluten. Um, the thing I figured out when I was going out on girls' night, I, was, I knew I was not eating organic beef when I was out. But it took me a while of not feeling good and being bloated to realize I needed my gluten digest enzymes because that animal probably had grain. Mm -hmm. It was finished with grain or corn. Yep. And so even though I chose a healthy meal and a, a steak or a filet, mm -hmm. right, I still had a gluten issue because I had to think about what the animal ate. And now I can tolerate it a little bit better. But it takes a super enzyme into gluten digest, so it's almost not yeah. And again, there's things you can do. And I'm not saying that we all can go out and make meals seven days a week and not have pizza every now and then or whatever the case may be. I'm just saying, like, if you know and you have these tools, now you can go to the grocery store and you can compare backs of these things and look at the ingredients. Um, you're just going to make better decisions. And that's ultimately what it's about at the end of the day. Have you ever compared the ingredients to something here versus the safe product in Canada? No, I have not. 
totally different because they're so strict as to what they can put in their food. Well, and I'm sure if you look at like ADHD rates, ADHD statistics in kids there versus in the United States, I know I'm, I'm sure that it's got to be mind blowing. It's mind blowing. My, I have a cousin who has a pizza place on the west side of the state. He gets all of his flour from Italy. It's all imported from mm-hmm. Italy. And my daughter, who's gluten intolerant, can eat it, no yep. problem. Because it's ancient grains. We just it's ancient grains. Yep. They actually make, and I almost bought it. They make, and I don't know if I believe it, an ancient grains bread that says it is import, imported from Europe. So it shouldn't be this dwarf wheat that we, you yeah. know. So it, I think there's stuff out there. It's just you got to look, and that's amazing because I, I would say he'd be killing it in business. He is killing it in business. He's all organic, and his flour, I mean, it doesn't bother people. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's why awesome. it's like three and a half hours away. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's can't be fat if I was. <laughs> I, I tell Hillary all the time. We talk about this all the time. I really wish there was somewhere that you could go to and get a quick meal that was sustainable and healthy. Right? Like, I paid $13 for a bowl that was organic with clean meat in it. I, I would. I mean, a lot of us would. And think about if we had that resource for our kid. And this is the thing that is hard for me. I have a nine-year-old daughter. She is sensitive to corn. She's sensitive to all these things. She was a C-section baby. She was not breastfed the way she should have been. I set her up, not on purpose, right? Um, but she is prime mild celiac, really. And she it manifests for her as being really, what's the word? I don't want to say drama. I don't want to say emotional. Emotional, yes. She's very emotional. But nobody else in her life sees these emotions. I've had the tests done. I know she's got this. But nobody else supports her in this journey. She went through um, and cleared up her gut for six months and took the supplements. Well, now she's fallen back um, because the other people in her life don't see it as a real thing. And I am challenged every day as a parent because I can't make her other parent believe this. And I can't make her grandparents believe this. I know, because I see it here every day with people, what she's growing up to. I know. So uh, there's some great programs out there. There's um, Saving Kitchens, Lisa Genza, that does a lot of work with kids and teaching them how to cook, teaching them how to be in the kitchen, teaching them how to use real food. And I think that's really, really important. And we just all don't have the time. But it's if we don't teach our kids some of this stuff, they're all going to be autoimmune by the time they're 20. What was that program called? Uh, which program? Sorry. Teaching Kids. Teaching Kids. Uh, Freedom Kitchen. You can find her online. She does a lot of online stuff. So when we stuff. went through that issue with Isaac, mm-hmm. I went to, um, he was only buying organic pasta to eliminate the iron issue. And it was expensive, right? $1.39, $1.50 a pound. I went to Trader Joe. It's not enriched and it's from Italy. Oh, wow. So we can eat... Anything mm-hmm. pasta based there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very helpful. And also, Sweet Amy's Kitchen used to be the sustainable. Yep. Um, we ate there. It was all because her family has so many um, issues. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's coming back. I just heard from her. Oh, I answered awesome. the phone here. Oh. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Amy Harris. And I was like, yeah. And she is. It also makes it really hard right now to make any changes with diet when our grocery prices are so stupid in the first place. 
So obviously, like implementing this stuff is not always cheap and it's not easy. But I think sometimes you can just pick the things. Um, I mean, even if you think about as easy as changing up ketchups and mayos that are in your life, right? Um, it, it's and salad dressings are another one you really gotta watch, right? Like they'll say it's made with olive oil, but then you look and it's got some olive oil, but it's really vegetable oil. Sure. And you know, it, it's just you've gotta read those ingredient labels because they will bamboozle you every chance they get because they're trying to make a buck. And why do they infuse everything with sugar? Because they want to buy it because it tastes good, and we're all addicted to sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of those things. But does anybody have any other questions or anything like that? Where would you suggest we start if we could only change one or two things because of our budget? I think that's a case-by-case -case answer, to be honest with you. And what you're dealing with in your own life and your family. If you're trying to change your family's life, then I would look at the whole core of how can I maybe eat real food X many days a week? How, what does that look like for me? And, um, you know, can I change some of those things up like the, the, the ketchups and the mayos and have people not freak out about it? You know, that kind of stuff. If it's you for an individual and you're having some inflammation or something like that, then I think um, a great place to start is an elimination diet. And nobody likes to hear that. But... If you take stuff out and then you build it back in, you get to learn your triggers, um, and it's a, it's a powerful tool. I will say for anybody in the room tonight that wants to have a functional nutrition consult with me or would like to look for look at health coaching, I will offer that to anybody here tonight for free. I will add the caveat that if you were interested in signing up for health coaching, I could probably only take like two people, but what I'm looking for for that is some people that are interested in actually being coached for three to six months because health coaching is not a one-month deal. It is a weekly check-in where we work together to work on your goals and go from there. So if anybody's interested in that, get with me. I will gladly help you out. Um, or if you just want a consultation to see maybe how you can dial in on your stuff, again, I'm glad to sit down and do that with you. And I'm excited to do more food classes in the future. Thank so, you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I feel like clapping belongs here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't need clapping. <laughs> and I think it should all be on audio. Like a coaching type thing or a 